Hello, fellow nerds. Have a Becca with us. We got a Becca boob. She's an adorable little puppy. <laughs> yep. Adorable little spoiled shit. Yep. That's what we do here. <laughs> All right. We've gotten from 10 to 6. We are now down to our top five. Top five. Yeah. Now, here's where the tippers will probably really flare out there. Mm, yes. This next one has definitely got some flaring tempers. You guys ready? It is on you. Let's hit number five. Terminator 2. Awesome. Day. <laughs> <laughs> Very good choice. Thanks, man. Yeah, that uh, that movie, I've loved it ever since I was young, even though, you know, it's probably rated R and I should not have been watching it, but I did, and it was excellent, and my parents encouraged it, and I had all kinds of Terminator 2 toys and posters and... James Cameron at his best. Oh, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Cameron. Um you know, I, I did think about Avatar, but I, I decided to go with Terminator 2 uh, on my top 10 list. That was great. Hasta la vista, baby. Yeah, the rewatchability, the whole the whole timey-wimey thing, you know, of course. And, um, you know, you, you, you got to see nuclear explosions, you know, and Linda Hamilton's skeleton just getting blown to bits. I and- mean... Linda That's Hamilton completely ripped. They completely she ripped. Oh, trained for like ass. seven months. She said it was just hardcore training for like six or seven months. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you had a. Oh. You got a. You had a melty T one thousand. Yeah, melty T one thousand. Yeah. I mean, oh my god, the special effects, um, just so fantastic. I mean, god, when Arnie rips off his flesh, you know, and exposes the arm beneath it, you know, like. Oh my God, like that was incredible. And they even released this toy that I had, you know, where you could get the Terminator arm. Uh. Yeah, but that, <laughs> that was another kind of great movie twist. You had cyborg killer Arnie turn hero yeah. in the sequel. Yes, yeah. Yeah, uh, th- they could be programmed to have compassion and understanding. <laughs> and as in, as I said in Empire, I think. T2 was one of the few sequels to outdo the original. Yeah. Now, we haven't gotten to your top four yet, so maybe that won't be the case with you, but I that's I, true. Th- I thought it was. Uh, yeah, and that's why I picked Terminator 2. You know, uh, Terminator 1 was really excellent, too. Uh, but T2, I mean, uh, rewatchability was a really big one, I think, in my uh, Chris's algorithm, you know, for what made it. Um, you know, movies that I've seen a lot and enjoy either having on in the background or those types of movies that, you know, if they're on in a room and you walk in, they tend to suck me in, you know, and it's like, oh, my God, you're watching this, you know. So, yeah, rewatchability was a big one for for my algorithm pick, so. And that one is Uh, one I've seen quite a few times, and I actually actually was thinking about it a couple weeks ago that I wouldn't mind watching it again. Oh, sure, yeah. It's just been that long. I mean, (laughs) even... uh, you know, you got some RC cars for Joshy and I to play with, and every time I play one, I even think of like Miles Dyson's kid, you know, with his little RC yes. car in the movie. Right, you know? right. Just like every time I turn it on, I'm just like Terminator Two. You know, he's such an influence on me. <laughs> no, great, great movie. Yeah, and that was again, I, I you know, don't want to, but the nuclear apocalypse 
just time travel, as I said, you had the T-1000 with the metallic memory metal. And, yeah. You know, it was, you got it was all an awesome the, concept. You got all the existential threats in one, you know, yeah. oh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, but I, I did like that. Yeah, Austin La Vista, baby. And it's like, yeah, but later, Dick Wad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Thank you. Awesome. What are we on, number five? Number five. All right, yeah, so my number five, 1986, Aliens. Aliens, here we are. Yes, yeah. okay. I, I love Aliens. And then, so you just talked about James Cameron, or I just mentioned James Cameron in Terminator 2. Ridley Scott was never asked to direct Aliens. He was the original director of Alien in yeah. 1979. And they went straight to James Cameron and asked him to do the to do the sequel. Wow! And you know he's like, done I want the action. He's done all kind of fantastic, you know, Rambo, The Terminator, Avatar, Titanic, True Lies, Terminator Two. Wow! All great movies. Yeah, and it was as dark and as intense and as as creepy as the original Alien. Oh God, yeah. But I think it was more action packed than the original. The original <laughs> one was. Almost, you know, if they'd made it like, you know, 45 minutes longer, it would have been like an epic drama, horror, space, sci-fi drama. Um, And then, you know, with the introduction of humor that wasn't really present in the first one. Yeah, the comic relief. Yeah, especially with uh, Bill Paxton's um, uh, Private Hudson. uh, Private Hudson. Oh, yeah. uh, For me, was was the coup de grace in elevating this above, above the original. Oh, yeah. Well, and the Alien Queen, I mean, the pacing, uh, yeah, it was a lot more action-packed, for sure, like you said. And, um, and it had a great cast. I mean, Alien, yes. Alien 79, 1979 had a great cast as well. But with the exception of Ridley, none of those characters were available for the sequel because they were all dead. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Ripley, yeah. But, I mean, you had Sigourney Weaver, you had Michael Bean, uh, Lance Henrik- Henriksen was was Bishop, Bill Paxton, as I said, was, you know, Private Hudson, Paul Reiser. Yeah, he's uh, in that too, Burke. He was in it, but he was <laughs> Burke, and uh, Jeanette Goldstein is uh, Vasquez. Oh, yeah, she was awesome. And what was interesting is Michael Bean. She was so, also in Terminator too. Yeah, so that was there were a couple things. So Michael Bean transitioned from being John Connor in Terminator One. So the or no Kyle Reese. Kyle Reese, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was Kyle Reese, the father of John Connor. Yeah, in Terminator One, the future leader of the world against the machines, um, into a corporal in the Space Marines, and Jeanette Goldstein, who played the role of Vasquez. Yeah. She was, um, five years later, she played the foster mother of young John Connor in Terminator 2. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So there, <laughs> there were a few twists in there. Uh, what was also interesting is in Terminator um, Terminator 1, the Terminator 1984, so Lance Henriksen, who played Bishop, yeah, uh, he was cast as Detective Hal uh, Vukovich, and was oh, one of, he was one of the detectives that was interrogating Kyle Reese. In the first Terminator, that's right. In the right. very first Terminator. Yes. So there was a there was a little bit of a you know cast relationship there yeah. b- between the between the two movies and I just I don't know I I I like Michael Bean Bill Paxton Private Hudson was so funny so and, awesome. uh, and Vasquez was such a badass. You remember the line when um, they first wake up and she's you know, getting dressed, and he's like, "Hey, Vasquez, You're has, has ever has ever anybody has ever anyone ever called you a man?" And she's like, "No, have, have you? you? Have yeah. you been called a man yet?" <laughs> <laughs> and then when Hudson is like, "That's it, man, game over, game yeah. over." <laughs> <laughs> 
I just love that movie. I've seen it multiple times. In fact, I, I loved Alien as well, but I don't watch it again. It was yeah. just long. It was slow. It was... But yeah. Aliens 2 is fast-paced. It's got the humor. It's... it's Yeah. It's, more... Yeah. yeah more, it's more one of those ones where, like, every scene is one of those ones where... Yeah, if it was in a room, you know, and it was on, you get sucked in, you know, because just like, oh, this part's so cool. Yeah, you, know, you can get a five-minute vignette, and you know, we've seen that movie so many times, or at least I have too. You know, so um, yeah, the rewatchability is 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 definitely high. Yeah, good pick, man. Good pick. Love that movie. That's my number five. Wow, I like it. Counting like down it. to number four. Yeah. Okay, so number four for me for Chris. Inception. Inception. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That movie is um, is is another wonderful work of art, thought provoking. Not one that you probably would need to see like a million times, but I have seen it. You know, quite a few times. It's pretty cool. Um, the soundtrack was really deep. The acting, of course, top notch, phenomenally um, executed. Leonardo DiCaprio and everybody that you know is freaking in it, um, but really the the concepts of of deep dreams and sort of time dilation type stuff and dreams within dreams and you know really kind of surreal nature and the science aspect of it you know being chemistry and and like kind of I guess the science of dreams really but what is that chemistry art form? That people do when you get inoculated, you know. What, what, I don't know. Yeah, what is right. that called? Um, I don't have my head in science. I got my head in sci-fi. In sci-fi, yeah, yeah. But uh, I mean, well, because where the sci-fi comes from, it's it's rooted in asphyxiation. And what is what is it freaking called when they put you under? You know. Oh, anesthetized. Anesthetized. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, anesthesia. Yeah. yeah. The the art of anesthesia, right? You know, and bringing people, you know. In their delta waves and close to stuff. Anyway, Inception, uh, amazing movie. Dreams, surreal, makes your mind unravel. Uh, coming up with paradoxes and I mean, even just like connecting minds and stuff, you know, and being in like a shared dream state. That concept is just so unusual, you know. Like it's not aliens or anything like that. It's going into other people's minds and. Yeah, just seeing how they click and then going on these adventures and being able to influence minds and giving people ideas and the whole genesis of thought and where do ideas even come from and can you even incept people with ideas and clearly I'm just regurgitating mind goo right now just even opening up the door that this movie can open up which is Inception so there we go I had this top thing. on my list. I thought, I thought it was great because there's been things that I think it's probably been taught in leadership for decades on the best way to get somebody to go along with your ideas or your notions or your concepts or your plan. Yeah. Is to either let them think that they've contributed heavily to it or it was their idea. Yeah. And Inception kind of took that to the big screen on you make them think that it was their idea and they're going to grasp it. Yeah. A great, a fantastic cast Yeah, uh, from top to bottom. And uh, it was one where I had to stop it a couple times and just sit back and do a five minutes of thinking on, oh, all right, yeah. what just happened or what's <laughs> going on here or getting my head of uh, around a dream within a dream within a dream. Yeah. It was a good choice. 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, and awesome film. Uh, you know, good good making it. I think Christopher Nolan, you know, and, and team. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was an kudos. awesome movie. Yeah. Good. So that was, that was your number four. That's right? number four for me, yeah. All right. What Doug's number four, 2009, James Cameron at his second best, Ooh. Avatar. Avatar. That almost made my list. That's okay, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I love, I love that movie. I've seen it. It was an epic, mind-blowing visual experience from beginning to end. The special effects on it were incredible. Especially, I mean, they, uh, they still look good today, but back in 2009... It was just, you know, the first time I saw it, of course, was on the big screen. Me too. And it was just, you know, mind-blowing and, you know, sci-fi tech that, com- you know, with a, a gripping story that combines, uh, you know, to make it a must-see over and over and over again. And the concepts of, you know, like being able to project, you know, into a another body, you know, like kind of like project a consciousness almost, you know, and be able to have this whole other avatar that could exist in this whole other world. And yeah, so many cool concepts came out of it. And I, I do love the like, kind of like, I don't know if this is the right word, but like the geopolitical stuff with the unobtainium, you know, the unobtainium drove me nuts. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, before, beforehand, that was kind of always a kind of a joke phrase. We'd Mm -hmm. say, you know, it's like, what kind of metal is this? Oh, it's unobtainium. And it came out in the movie and, for me, that was a little cringy. Yeah, but it was. <laughs> it was too on point. It was too on point. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was good, and it the it drove the conservative audience nuts. Mm. Now, in two thousand nine, I was still, you know, would consider myself a conservative Republican. Just to clarify, I don't consider myself any political party today. Yeah, but you know, even then, I watched the movie and I enjoyed it, and I saw the messages. But there were a lot of people that came out and said that it was overly critical of America in the past. I had a lot of innuendo. Think about the Native Americans and, you know, the indigenous people that got railroaded. You know, one uh, one conservative critic noted that, you know, it looked like a big-budget animated film with a garish color palette right off of a hippie's tie-dye shirt. Oh, my God. I was like, well, so what? (laughs) Well, that may be true, but... (laughs) It it doesn't... uh, And then there were also a lot of uh, right-wing fundamentalists that took issue with the movie equating God with nature. Hmm. But again, that kind of went back to the indigenous Native Americans. It was, you know, they kind of felt that way, too. And you know, obviously that had a that had an impact in the writing of the story and, you know, James Cameron's thought process. But totally. it just went on to make, for me, an incredible movie and just a fun experience from beginning to end when I went and saw it. Yeah, very fun experience. And, you know, a testament to the great art is a controversial nature, you know, right? Like, Yeah. It, it, well, it's hard to do anything these days on the big screen without offending somebody on one side of the aisle or another. Sure. So you, know, you basically just go for art. You get your, you know, whether you have a message or not that you're trying to convey, it was, it was a fantastic piece of art. Absolutely. Yep. And it made my number four. Yeah, heck yeah. Well, I really liked too in that one, um, you know, that it was 100% artistically rendered, digital, like uh, the whatever the heck it's called, you know, officially, mm. but CGI, there we yes, go. Yeah. You know, but like it, it was a hundred percent in that world. It wasn't like, Oh, they had like real actors and then like the CGI superimposed, you know, the fact that it was a hundred percent immersive into one world, that particular choice 
you know, I think is, is, a, is a great way to go in, in the filmmaking's category. And I just want to say that because, yeah, good film. I, yeah. I almost picked it too. Yeah, good pick. <laughs> oh, my number four. All right, so on to number three. On to number three. We're in our me. top three sci-fi movies top of all three. time, and here it is. Here it is, guys. Star Wars: A New Hope. There you Chris. go. Yeah, <laughs> and I picked that one because I, I just kind of recently um, started watching this uh, light and magic documentary thing that you recommended. Yeah, industrial um, light bit, and magic or that was recommended to Doug to recommend all these things. Anyway, I started watching it, and I've seen a lot of behind the scenes stuff with the the Star Wars and the documentaries that are made around it. And uh, you know, that first movie, um, you know, makes a lot of nods to uh things like Two Thousand One A Space Odyssey, which I have not seen, uh THX the movie, which I have not seen, but you know, Two Thousand One especially I heard was really great groundbreaking and THX, you know, was critically acclaimed even though it flopped financially or whatever, according to Wikipedia. But Star Wars A New Hope I mean, they developed so much stuff that, it, like, the Industrial Light and Magic company that came from that, uh, that did special effects on other movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark and, like, the Poltergeists and the Terminators and the, I don't even know what else, but that movie, a new it all came from A New Hope, uh, where a lot of this stuff was developed and these new camera techniques that uh, eventually got refined into Empire Strikes Back and, like, these other, you know, things, but... That first Star Wars movie was just so different and groundbreaking and transformational and, and and such a boon in technology for the art of filmmaking that uh, that that's why it's so high up on my list in the number three um, because of its influential impact and, and and it's just a fun awesome movie that you know so many people in the world have seen and top three for me on the uh, best of all time. So there we go. <laughs> I, I said when I had it at number six or number seven, number seven, that on any given day, it could be my top three. Yeah. And well, I, I'm right. It, it just, like I said, it depends upon my mood. Awesome yep. movie. You can't go wrong. You can't. You could have put it at number one and I wouldn't have argued with you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great movie. And my number three is going to be fast because we've already discussed it. And, okay. And that was um, Terminator 2. Oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. So we, we were on par <laughs> So, yeah, there. we're on like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as we're narrowing it down, we're, we're starting, our, I feel our gravitational pull starting to hit each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that takes us down to our top two. Top two. Yeah, I mean, gosh. Uh, okay, so uh, for me, and this is a movie that I've only seen one time, and I've ah. only seen it in the theater when it first originally came out, um, which I don't remember when that was. And it had such an impact on me, and I still remember it so well. And I'd love to see it time and time again. Um, I don't know why I haven't made the time to, but I talk about it a lot, and I even bought the script for it in this cool collector's comic shop after a Comic-Con up in Seattle, Washington or something. I don't remember where the heck the place is I got, but I owned the script and it's unsealed and it's for the movie Interstellar. Before I saw the movie, I had heard that they had the best 3D rendered model of what experiencing going through a black hole may appear to be or a like. wormhole or a wormhole. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so based off of like, you know, calculations and stuff, you know, they were able to make this 
simulated experience for a visual screen. And this was like the best one to date. And in this movie, you know, you got to experience that. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, I'm in. But then the story and all of just the like existential properties, you know, the things that are just like that that could go beyond even just human experience, but are just just kind of universal concepts like love and fear and 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 time and space. It's just it hits these really broad strokes, but it shows us and it takes us on a journey so well where you can experience, you know, Einstein's theory of relativity, you know, and like traveling to different worlds and more again with time dilation and you know, even a little bit with like quantum physics and uh, it, it's called something. Everything's called something. I know, right? <laughs> it's like words. That thing in quantum physics where entanglement happens. Yeah. yeah yes. And uh, in, in quantum entanglement, you know, through love and oh, man, just just such an awesome work of art. I, uh, I, I realize that it, it's it. I sound like a crazy person. It's hard to describe, but. It's an awesome movie. Oh, and even like the way they did the robots, the TARS robots. Um, yeah, they're not know, anthropomorphic. Like, they're not anthropomorphic, and but they're super functional and like multifunctional and even like, dare I say, superior to like human design, what they're capable of doing. But yet still, there's that necessary human element where like there's even this part where Matthew McConaughey's character has to like feel the timing of this just incredible gravitational rotation move where they need to like link ships and just this perfect timed moment and they choose to make it a human choice to do it as opposed to going with the computer calculations because they just can't bring themselves it's just it's awesome it's a freaking awesome movie <laughs> yeah it's a great and they i think we talked about it during our, our um uh, sci-fi science episode two when we were talking about the uh, Naboo, the Mormon ship on the Expanse, oh, how yeah. they would how they would use the rotation, the centrifugal force, to create gravity. Yes, and then at the end of Interstellar, when he's on uh, the big ship that's heading towards uh, the wormhole near Saturn, and but it's even bigger than the Naboo because he's kind of sitting out on a ranch that kind of looks like his house back um, wherever it was that he was from. Yeah, and you could see kind of like the Inception look where you know the terrain, the horizon kind of warped around, and it just had this slow spin to it that was generating the gravity. Yes, on the ship. Yeah, and like ring sphere. Well, that was the okay. So the sphere mm. that was the other thing because they when they went in the wormhole. If you have a hole in space, it looks like a hole from any angle that you view it at. Yeah. And anything that is circular, when you view it from any angle, is a sphere. And that's what they portrayed the wormhole as. They showed that as a the wormhole was a sphere in space. Yeah. When when they went to it. So it was little thing. The oh, time so dilation cool. where yeah. when they went down to the water planet. Yes. And it wasn't because they were traveling at incredible speeds. It was because they were so much nearer to the massive black hole that they were orbiting. Yeah. That then the ship that was orbit, you know, outside the planet, that when they went back, what they had been on the planet for an hour or two hours and like twenty five years or something had passed on 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 the ship. Yeah. Was, yeah. They, so crazy. Yeah, it was it was a it was a joy ride. I love that movie. Heck yeah, man. So there we go. Number two for Good me. number two. All right. So mine's kind of in a similar vein. Uh, my number two is 2015, Matt Damon in The Martian. The Martian, yes! 
I love that movie. And I've seen it's sufficiently sciencey and geeky, has an incredible cast, has an intense storyline. It's got a really funky soundtrack and a good mix of humor yeah. uh, in there. So it, for, for me, it, it had all of it. And that was a Ridley Scott film. I mean, he went from <laughs> Alien. I mean, you think about Alien, and then you got, you know, of course, The Martian was 20, 30. Wow. It was 36 years later. Wow. Yeah. But, you know, it's a completely different type of movie than Alien. But it was interesting. That movie was based on a novel by Andy Weir. And Andy Weir, I've listened to him on the uh, Star Talk podcast before. Uh, he doesn't have a college degree. The, the guy writes a lot of science. He did another um, book, which I haven't read. Uh, I think it's called The Artemis Project. It's about the first city on the moon. Hmm. And he gets the science very right. Hmm. And he went in and got the science. He's, he's very much a self-educated man. Mm-hmm. And he got the science so accurate, he's very in tune to all the details, and he researches the hell out of everything when he writes his books. And he's made the comment before because... You know, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Tyson asked him one time, he's like, you, know, you don't have a degree in science. You don't even have a college degree. You know, how do you get everything? So he's like, I research it so much. He said, and to be honest with you, Neil, when I am writing, I picture you standing over my shoulder <laughs> reading everything that I'm writing down <laughs> and correcting me when I got wrong. He That's said, awesome. <laughs> he said, so when I write something, I always imagine that you're going to read it. <laughs> he That's said, so and cool. I want to make sure I get it right. That's awesome. <laughs> There, there was one big goof on there that, that a lot of people pointed out at the very beginning. Uh, do you remember at, at the very start where the, 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 the windstorm kicked up? In Interstellar? And, no, in The Martian. In The Martian. Oh, okay. I, so I've seen that movie once too. Yeah. Yeah. At the very beginning when the, the wind is blowing so hard that it's about to tip the ship and all the debris flying and they're trying to get back. And that's when Matt Damon's character uh, gets hit. Yes. And they end up having to leave him because they worry about the ship tipping over. Yeah. And they end up launching and leaving him on Mars. The atmosphere is so low on Mars that even if the wind's blowing that hard, you would barely feel any pressure against you. Oh. So it wouldn't be strong enough to blow debris around or to tip the ship or to do anything like that. Hmm. And Andy Weir got challenged on that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and he came straight out and said, I know that. He said, I read that, and he said, I've researched that, I've read that, and I know that to be true. I had to come up with something in the story to cause them to launch prematurely with, what was his name in the movie, Mark Wadney, I think, you know, still on the planet. He said, so I took artistic license. That's so cool. Sue me. But still, he can back it up. He's like, yeah, I'm aware of that, but... Yep, I did it anyway. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It made, it, made for, it made for a great movie and a great book. So, Heck yeah. yeah. So. All right. So we are going to number one. I'm going to take a one-minute break. Heck yeah, you got it. Okay. All right. Sorry, a little technical pause. All good. We just, yeah. uh, you know, it's getting so intense. You know, we're uh, coming up to the number one spot here. We are. And in fact, at the number one spot, number one sci-fi movie of all time, Christopher, tell us what it is. I believe the answer to that question is, let me see here in my notebook here. Yes. Yes, that's it. It is The Matrix. Oh, snap. Yeah, that's that's the one for me. Um, I picked it because of just, I love broad range of thought. Uh it's individualism and existentialism in one. It's rebelliousness. Uh, it's 
I'm going to provide a spoiler here. Yeah, please do. Yeah. The Matrix is my number one also. Oh! <laughs> here yes, we go. here we go. I mean, it's it's so good. Uh, again, the influence of groundbreaking filmmaking technology, but also like the story, the art style, the sound. It, 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 and there's other movies that came out around that time, too, that, uh, you know, are kind of, like, inspired by. I've got some honorable mentions, um, like Existence with Jude Law, weird one, nobody's ever seen it, kind of Matrixy, little weird, like, video game stuff. Another honorable mention, They Live, kind of also Matrixy, you know, like, with the with the agents, it you was, know? Like, the, it's, the agents is where it gets Matrixy. Yeah, wasn't... They live the one where if you put on the sun, type of sunglasses, you could see the aliens for the who sun, they really are. Yeah, yeah. The sunglasses was the one. And, you know, they had this, like, whole network where they could talk into the watches and, like, teleport to this, like, underground network system where they could have their secret meetings and stuff. It was, it was kind of like how the agents operated, like, in a way. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a pure roller coaster of a ride. Yeah. You know, and then, God, Keanu Reeves' career, you know, I mean, he's timey-wimey with uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. Um, he had done Johnny Mnemonic, you know, which is really crazy. But, like, I mean, just the music, all the artistry that went into that movie, just everything was hitting on every cylinder. I even love all of the other ones that came after the first Matrix. I'm a big fan of the whole franchise in general. So the first Matrix movie, though, is my number one pick for best sci-fi movie of all time. I would, burr, say, burr, burr. I would say you can't be wrong because it was my number one as oh. well. Oh! So, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the Matrix single-handedly propagated the simulation hypothesis around the globe, and yes. that was four years before Nick Bostrom wrote it. Which wow. We discussed the simulation hypothesis in... The Genesis episode. Yeah, here we go, full circle. Yeah, we went back to that. Nick Nick Bostrom published that in 2003. Wow. So it was four years later. You know, up until that point, it really probably wasn't given... I mean, it was given no thought in pop culture. No, not and until then. probably in, you know, outside of philosophy, it, you know, very few people actually ever thought about living in a simulation. Now it's become a trope. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know that Ewan McGregor was offered the part of Neo? Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and he and he, just didn't work he didn't, out. He didn't 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 have much interest in it. Wow. Well, I mean, the force is with him, you know, in other ways. <laughs> he he couldn't be Neo and Obi Wan. It's just too much. The other uh, interesting little twist of fate in that is that for the part of Morpheus, yeah, they originally offered that role to Will Smith. Oh, wow. Will Smith? Huh, I don't Will, know if I could see that. I've thought about it ever since I read that, and I don't see it. Yeah. Is Lawrence Fishburne was a great Morpheus. It, but to Will I mean, Will Smith, nobody can knock him for it because he's had nothing but a successful career all the way up until he slapped the shit out of Chris Rock. We'll, oh, see, where it goes. <laughs> we'll <laughs> see where it goes from there. But, you know, I've always liked Will Smith as, a, uh, as an actor. But, yeah, Lawrence Fishburne did it well. and He did. Will Smith turned it down so that he could film The Wild Wild West. Ah, one of those moves. Yeah. Which was a really bad movie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, never that saw was, that. It I, looked cool. I did because growing up I liked watching, um, wasn't Robert Wagner, Robert Conrad. Oh, okay. Uh, the, in the original Wild Wild West. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> 
It really bad. I mean, it's. I mean, today, you know, nobody watches the reruns, but I really enjoyed it when I was a kid. Um, yeah, the the movie was was bad. Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, you know, things happen for a reason, or more. I I don't really believe that. I really believe that we find reasons for things happening. Oh sure. But yeah, it was maybe the, a bit it of was it, maybe a bit of both. It was it was the right move. But dude, so the Matrix. I mean, yeah, like. So you've picked it too. You know what? What else? You know, well, I mean, one thing. You know, the actors spent four to five months in intensive martial arts training. Oh, sure. Leading yeah. up to that, and you could tell. I mean, it had to be yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. I mean, the moves and and everything. And um, there was one bit of trivia that I've read from the Matrix before that I thought was was really interesting, and it was it was kind of a political flashback. So you remember when Cypher was in the restaurant having his meeting with Agent Smith? Yes, and he's like talking, he's negotiating his terms for getting it back into the Matrix. Yeah, we learned that Cypher's real name is Reagan. What? Yeah, and he he wants to be famous, maybe an actor. What? (laughs) And he says, and I want to remember nothing. Wow. And all of that kind of hints back to, you know, Reagan being famous, then president, you know, he was an actor. And then his <laughs> last few years of office, you know, he was slipping into, you know, unfortunately, you know, into dementia. And, wow. you know, later years in life didn't remember anything. That's kind of interesting. Okay. So it's like a nod to that. It was kind a of bit. a, it was kind of a, yeah, nod back to that. There's always some kind of twist in movies where, where they do things, but I mean, we could, little Easter here, eggs. we could sit here and talk about the matrix all night and yeah, we watched it again. Not that long ago. We did. And like, oh, it's just so freaking good. Like the artistic choices, all the way down to the color palette of being in the Matrix, where it's kind of like green, you know, like you can just visually understand kind of like the green sepia tones or something very like much that. Dulled, and, you know, green, and you know, just visually communicates that you can understand that, like, oh, we're in the Matrix. That's one small thing. I mean, but like, wow, that movie is incredible, and the first one, you know, especially too, like the soundtrack, you know, all the. All the artists that were involved in, you know, even just that. Oh, the soundtrack was great. Yeah. And then, like, you know, with all the martial arts stuff that you had mentioned and then, like, the film techniques, you know, I think that was the movie where they had developed the 3D panoramic, you know, stop time view. Yeah, the, uh, the bullet time, the bullet they time call thing. It, they call yeah. And, uh, you know, going around a 3D object and, uh, or an object in 3D. And, uh, you know, they just freaking knocked it out of the park, you know, evolutionizing the um, filmmaking experience, you know, like Star Wars did, but then like again. And yeah, that whole freaking movie. And I mean, that's just on the technical side, you know, of the movies, but the art itself, I'm like trying to think of like, where do you even start? But really, you should just watch the movie if you haven't seen it. (laughs) I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's top of your list to do list now. Mm hmm. Good. So we did. We 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 synchronized on a few of those. Yeah, we did. And uh, that one we both nailed in the number one spot. I kind of so cool. <laughs> kind of had a suspicion it was going to be your number one as well. Yeah. <laughs> what were your honorable mentions? Well, um, like so, kind of how I had mentioned, um, you know, like they live in tandem with the Matrix and existence and stuff like that. You know, are really just kind of honorably mentioning them to the to the cause, kind of to the the grander concepts, um, you know, cause like those two particular movies, like existence is, is kind of like this 
movie about like different layers of being in a video game and it's kind of like Inception a little bit too. It starred Jude Law, really underground, really low budget film, but with some really odd, weird, surreal elements that are kind of hard to describe unless you've seen it. Um, and then of course they live again, you know, really super cool. <laughs> got my little note thing here too i did have some other honorable mentions like avatar and oh the arrival too the arrival was another, was, one. Was another one it actually yeah. didn't make my list of top 10 or honorable mentions but i enjoyed that movie yeah i enjoyed it you know i, I really like things that think outside the box you know and the whole thing in that movie is a lot of time stuff and different kind of like alien beings like like elder god lovecraftian type beings and i like that they weren't anthropomorphic they were hexapods yeah yeah um and another honorable mention is uh dune uh the new dune movie Um, god i did not even think of that it's really good yeah and it didn't make my list because um you know we haven't seen where it's gone yet i mean we can see where it wants to go but like i was hesitating hesitant to put that on my list just because like the first film's great, but is it like one of the best of all time? I don't know. Rewatchability, I've only watched it a couple times, but boy, I mean, it's it's really freaking awesome. Yeah, I've uh, watched it once, and then I think I watched it halfway through with Joshua, and I didn't go back and watch it again, because it, it's an epic. It is. It's, I mean, very, it's a long yeah. movie. It's kind of slow at points, and then fast-paced at others, And but it's it's a really good movie. It's really well done, Yeah. So my honorable mentions, I I had Interstellar would have been was number eleven, oh, heck and that yeah. could have bounced up into the top ten at any given time, and um, it it wasn't far off the number ten spot. Nice, so yes. I really like that. Another one which uh, we haven't mentioned was I Am Legend. I Am Legend, that was good. Uh, Will Smith, here we go. Yeah, yeah, I just enjoyed that one because it was you know the dystopic future biotech goes wrong (laughs) yeah you kind of had the zombie apocalypse feel and yeah and and yeah i just i thought it was a really gripping storyline i terminator one made my yeah that was that was good but special effects i i kind of looked at you know how well do they live today Mm -hmm. i don't i don't know it was it was number 13 on my list yeah Uh, minority report we talked about that the fifth element fifth element was awesome yes I love that, is that a great one. honorable mention because the rewatchability so fun. <laughs> and uh, Star Trek Two: The Wrath of Khan. Mm. I love that one. Um, I I had ET originally in my top ten, mm-hmm. but when I did the when I did the you know Doug's algorithm, yeah, it ended up coming out like fifteen, sixteen. I had a similar just, experience with ET. It was originally on my list, but then it kind of just. I mean, all time classic, great movie. Yeah, nobody, you can't knock it, but it's just. It didn't. Com- it didn't merit my top ten list of all time. I even had Star Wars three: uh, Revenge of the Sith mm, in there because mm-hmm. I thought that one was pretty good and gritty. And you know, the one, you know, Anakin killing the younglings oh, was dude. so dark. And yeah. then the fight scene at the end between Obi Wan and Anakin was just brutal. Yeah. And you know, and Blade Runner nineteen eighty two, the Blade original. Blade Runner, that is a good dark, one. gritty. It was a little bit of an epic and slow too at a lot of times. Really but. cool concept, and you know, I that one's a that one is a very good honor. I mentioned because even the second one is really cool. 
you know, because it goes in that it's like kind of like class warfare in a weird way. Like, yeah, because that's uh, because you have a um, an android who's actually a blade, working as a Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then like there's the thing too, um, where they have a child together. Mm, oh and, yes, yeah, and that's supposed to like not be a thing because there's like androids and then there's humans and they're different, right? But turns out they're not. Yeah. <laughs> A uh, couple more that were that again. I, I mean, I had Inception, the Chronicles of Riddick, oh, that's the original, one. but the Riddick movies because I like Pitch Black, which led into the Chronicles of Riddick. God, I thought that so was many really good, good ones. Uh, 1982, The Thing, The Thing with Kurt Russell. Mm, didn't see it. Uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah, that one is on a lot. Yeah, I've not seen that either. I think the only thing that kicked that out of my top ten was it wasn't fast paced and the. Uh, watchable repeatability. There we go. It's kind yeah. of one of those movies where you watch it once and then it's like, ah, and then, but you know, you don't want to go back and watch it again because it's. It is an important it, variable, you know, yeah. like uh, for this list making process. <laughs> and then the final one that I had was Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. Richard too. Dreyfus. It was a great movie. It was one of that opened my eyes to, you know, UFOs and the possibility of, you know, life on other planets. And, you know, I was really young when it came out i watched it later i think but i remember as a kid i had the the lp of the soundtrack and beep 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 oh beep, yeah beep. great but, sound but again another one that you know, you watch it once and you know maybe a couple decades later you might watch it again yeah but, you know it's, <laughs> and that was it but you know there you go i think that's i think that's a both of us hit a pretty comprehensive list of I think so too well and I want to mention too you know like some viewers may be like well hey well what about the Infinity War series and you know we had I'd thought about that you know a little bit but we had also talked you know a bit too that we're, we'll we kind of classify those into the uh the superhero category and not necessarily sci-fi but it should be an honorable mention you know like that because that crescendo for Infinity War which is culminated from a bunch of different movies so you can't really pick one movie out of that no and i think uh, that i mean i was with you on that it's you know the superhero movies and if we had opened up that door the marvel cinematic universe i mean how would you leave out movies like iron man or thor ragnarok or not uh, yeah thor yeah. ragnarok or, or you know any you know in game it it, but, it consumes too much of the the ram uh, and the it, computer it <laughs> uh, because yeah because if we you know if we created a you know, top 10 superhero movie of all time, you know, MCU is going to dominate for me, you know, probably eight of the 10 of those. Yeah. And then the other thing that we, we made sure we, you know, we left out fantasy. So, you know, the Lord of the Rings trilogy didn't get included in there as well. Yeah. And now that new arcane series that I'm just like, oh my God, let me see here. Do I have any more honorable mentions to... Um, oh, Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> never surrender. Never, yeah, never give never, up. Never give up. Never surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you told me about that, though. Is, uh, by somebody's hammer. What was it? By... By Grab Thaw's By hammer, you yeah. shall be avenged or something. <laughs> that movie, I actually... That was on. I think I was in. I think I was on a business trip, and it was on in like Showtime or something. And I put it on in the background while I was working in the hotel at night. And I was watching it. I was like, "This movie is so damn bad. I love it." Yes. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and um, and you brought it up, and I didn't really. It was uh, 
Sam Rockwell is a red shirt. Again, yes, Again. Sam Rockwell, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. His name's Guy in that movie. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't even have a last name, and he's so freaked out that he's going to get killed all the time. <laughs> no, that was a fun movie. I even had one which went back to probably, it was probably 82, 81, which was The Last Starfighter, which was oh, just yeah. campy, cagey movie. But when I was younger, that was one that I probably... You know, we got HBO around the time, you know, for the first time around the time it came out. And HBO was notorious for, it wasn't, you, you didn't get to just go online and pick what you wanted to watch. Oh, you know, right, they, yeah. Things were on a schedule. Right. And that one was like every day for, I don't know, three months. Yeah. And I watched it as often as I could. I was so into that <laughs> movie. But but yeah, no, it's, it's you know, it might not have made my top 50 today. <laughs> <laughs> but it did then. But all right, did we settle the uh, did we settle the uh, ubiquitous argument over the top ten sci fi movies of all time? I think we may have covered some ground. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so this is our last episode for season one. We want to thank everybody and all of our fans and followers for for listening to us get this far. Yeah, thank uh, you guys. Yeah, we're we're hoping to give you uh, an even more entertaining experience in season two. We are open to thoughts, suggestions, ideas, uh, critique, and as we said in our rational Q&A episode. We love to be schooled. So please tell us where we're wrong and we'll be happy to um, reply and admit that we're wrong and cover it in a future episodes. Make us better. Make us better. And with that, Chris, been a great season. Love you, man. It's been awesome, man. Love you too. Been awesome. I'm looking forward to season two. All right, everybody out. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Irrational Discourse Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, you can send us an email at debate at irrationaldiscourse.com, or you can contact us directly through our website at www.irrationaldiscourse.com. Please include your name and location if you'd like a shout out for your contribution. We only ask for and strive to give in return a little love, acceptance, and mutual respect.